uh, Grey Stag for another episode of uh, Who Art Thou? Uh, Laz, thank you so much for coming on. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, it's great to have you on. You were literally, as I said before in my messages, I think, you were one of the first guests I ever asked before the podcast was even a thing. Um, I drunkenly asked you at, uh, at Fibbers one night. So really, really great to see it all come in uh, full circle before the podcast was even a thing. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, thanks. For, and I just said, like, it's no probably problem. the most decent thing we've ever been asked drunk in Fibbers. So at least it's something that we can <laughs> actually do legally. <laughs> well, I actually, I remember the, uh, what happened was, was um, I didn't have my glasses on and I'm virtually blind without my glasses. So um, when, uh, uh, when I asked, no, before I asked you, I was chatting with you. So I was like, oh, what do you, I think it was something along was like, what do you guys do? And you were like, Really, we were we were just on the stage. We just you were literally just off the stage, and I was like, "Oh, okay." That may, and my friend Owen was beside me, going, "You're a fucking tit." But uh, <laughs> so, uh, and then proceeded to tell you about a podcast that didn't exist. It didn't even have a name, and you guys were very friendly, saying, "Yeah, yeah, of course we'll be on." <laughs> uh, good. No, our, our drummer who unfortunately couldn't be here today because he's working. Uh, he's also completely blind. Um, he, sure, he doesn't even know right, what we yeah. look like, but he could just <laughs> play with any band and he wouldn't know who it is. <laughs> just just smash away. Like. <laughs> oh, wait, there's six of them here today. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas I have perfect vision and the grasses actually give me superhuman vision, so I see better than most. Uh, I heard that's how it works. I mm. heard that's why most people smoke it. <laughs> But anyway, um, so like just to, like you, you guys formed in 2018 and then you had an EP in that same year as well. I was just wondering, how did you go about forming the band at the very beginning? Oh, God. Um, so we've been in band since we were like 17, 18 um, together. And it always kind of broke. We broke up. We, didn't, we never really broke up, but it just kind of stopped happening because we had college and other stuff. And then we get together, do a few things and then we'd leave again. And then. Whenever me and Matt would go to gigs or anything like that, I mean, we'd get really drunk and then just get really depressed. So that should be us up there. And in <laughs> 20, end of 2017, started 2018, we, you know, started getting that bit much older. It's like, oh, Jesus, we don't have much more time to do this. So we rang mm-hmm. up Gad again. And yeah, we just decided we'll do it one more time, give it our all and just fucking go as fast and hard as we can, which is what we've been doing. Yeah. And you started... Yeah, you definitely have. Like the like the amount of releases for a band, like what three years, is pretty pretty nuts. I was just like, what what are like the er, what was your earlier influences in towards this type of music that um started the kind of the interest in like heavy metal? Well, um, for me, I've uh, I've told this story to anyone while I'm drunk who will listen to me. But um, the first thing for me as a heavy metal influence was the video from I, I think it was a metal hammer dvd or maybe it was Kerrang. i think it was metal hammer and it was an excerpt from the workhorse chronicles of mastodon and it was them playing oh, mother nice. puncher live and i've uh i've <laughs> been laughed at numerous times and i'm immune to it at this stage but i immediately <laughs> after seeing that went out and bought a squire version of troy sanders bass just the one that looks most like it <laughs> and a red t-shirt because that's what he was wearing on the stage and uh, and I started walking around my bedroom, <laughs> pretending to be Troy Sanders. Um, and and from there, and and nothing on the bottoms, nothing on the bottoms. And then <laughs> two three weeks later, we started Grey Stag, and that was that was it, wasn't it? Yeah. Strange first year practices before he <laughs> could find a matching pair of pants. 
and for yourselves? Um, what were your first influences? So I suppose my first one, I was probably into metal a bit earlier. Like I got into it through my dad and my uncle. My dad is always listening to Tin Lizzy as like vinyls from ACDC, Black Sabbath. And then my uncle gave me, once I said I started listening to them around 11, 12, he gave me Metallica Black Album. But wrongly said, this is their first and best album. Oh. I was like, okay, cool. And then I found out they had other albums. Like, oh, dude, those dozens are much better. And he gave me Nirvana as well. <laughs> and then it's actually the big thing that turned me on to extreme metal was I had a, a friend who went to our primary school, also called Barra, actually. And he introduced me to... Oh, no way. So I was listening to like Queens of the Stone Age, bit of Metallica, Foo Fighters, that kind of stuff, Nirvana. And he showed me Opeth, Blackwater Park. And instantly from the first oh. time I heard Leopard Finney, he's like, okay, yeah. That's I like this, and yeah, that is a monster of yeah, an album. Yeah. I think it was thirteen when I heard Such that. I was just like, yeah, I like the shouty stuff <laughs> and the extreme progressive metal. <laughs> Every song should be ten minutes. Yeah, no, I, uh, yeah, no. Like the I remember like when I got into extreme. I come from like an extremely Catholic background. I'm not like Catholic myself, but like my dad, like so. If I put any of it on in my room, my dad would come up and turn it off. And Opeth and like Emperor, I think, were like the first kind of extreme ones that I got into, and um anyway he just he thought it was all satanic and i was like it's not all satanic it's some of it's some of it's not some of it could be nice you didn't have any no no reasoning for listening to it at all but uh, like how did your first like um how did you how did your first live shows go then together like when would you start playing live together as a band as gray stag or as two people like oh, we, we were first Actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I suppose it's great. I suppose it's great because it leads into. I, I can't wait to talk about Monolith Festival because that set was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we we started when we started Grace Dyke, as Steve said, we were we had been going to these gigs and we were like, that should be us up there. So we actually started Grace Dyke with the first goal coming out the gate before we'd done anything was playing the metal to the masses gig. So it was never about mm. getting tracks together and then seeing if we could get some gigs or whatever. Uh, we immediately went and applied uh, to get like to to the gig. We got the gig before we had a set ready for it. Um, so we sort of ground out <laughs> trying to get some songs ready. Us in practice, we we thought we were very good, but that first time we played probably pretty rubbish. Um, but then we played so much that first year. I think we played like. So when did we start? March. And then we did like, I think, 14 gigs before the end of the year, which obviously isn't a lot to a touring band, but for a band with a, like it was every second week effectively for the rest of the year. Yeah, exactly. And then the next year as well, we said, oh, we'll tone it down and, you know, work more. And the next EP, we played 18 (laughs) gigs that year or something. But yeah, it was like, we we did for, so we got together, it would have been Q3, Q4 of 2017. And Matt had some songs, I had some songs. And then we started doing like uh, writing our own stuff as well, like collaboratively. It's it's funny. I was saying to Matt only recently that the ones we wrote written collaboratively we seem to prefer more. Just I don't know if it's just a natural thing or they're just better. Whereas the ones we individually wrote just kind of slid out of our live sets. Um, but yeah, it's and we always joke that our first five gigs were all competition gigs because we had the metal to the masses one. We got the semi-finals. Then our good friend Danny. Yeah, Fitz- that one? Oh, to, yeah. We, and so, again, yeah, we yeah, thought yeah, we were brilliant. That, that I first saw you. Oh, cool. Uh, well, we always knew the songs were good, but then looking back, it's like, oh, God, we very stiff. And uh, yeah, you know, you just learn those little things. But then, yeah, we went down to the Mammoth Fest Best Band competition in Cork, um, and we got to the finals in that. Those are our first five gigs, so the semi-final and the final. And then after that, we decided to relax and just play normal gigs. 
<laughs> until the next metal to the masses. And, <laughs> uh, and like, which leads me into my next question because uh, I've watched I had the 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 Monolith Festival now. I've watched it twice. I watched it last night and I watched it again today in anticipation for the. You seem like a, like an extremely confident band on stage now. I was just wondering, like, how do you approach going on stage live now towards when you were originally going on? Oh, well, thanks for that, because I did not feel that. Um, I was very nervous for that one, because the last gig we played before that would have been January 2020. So, And we hadn't seen the footage, oh, yeah. so we were just thinking, like, oh, Jesus, did we do something stupid, or does yeah. it look okay? But, yeah, it's like, um, <laughs> I suppose we do have that kind of confidence. It's weird playing to, you know, not many people as well. No. Yeah, certainly. Um, I know that, like, obviously we have this Bloodstock uh, slot coming up. So, like, we have been... Yeah honing the the live show um obviously we've been planning to be very very prolific live last year uh but that went out the window um but but we did learn something before that first metal to the masses set we did which was just to really focus down and produce a live show the way we would produce a recording um and i don't mean like we we didn't have rehearsed moves or anything but we did have like we did have a knowledge then of what every other member of the band was playing at any given time. So we had an idea of yeah. what was needed, what holes needed to be filled by each of the members. We ended up finding a way to keep absolutely zero time on stage silent. So there was always either myself or Steve was droning out in tone in between. So when I have to talk at the mic, there's always a noise in the background. It's never dead or awkward. And I think that was when you do that, that then gives you some extra confidence because you feel like, like if I, if I have to speak, uh, which I don't particularly like doing at these at, at gigs, I don't feel confident to stand up and talk to people. But when yeah. I do, um, it does give me a bit of a bolster that if I decide, or like, you know, if my throat just dies and can't work and I go up and I don't say anything, it's not silent. There's still some noise going on. There's still something happening. And as a result, like if I'm on stage and I have a, something i don't know something go wrong and i have to deal with it you can look at steve because he's filling that gap uh, on stage in terms of the performance and we're handing back and forth and i think that's why i think it's it's really just practice it's it's mad it's like practicing makes you better but yeah and yeah taking videos <laughs> what you do and also seeing other bands as well because <laughs> you, you know when you see those bands right um okay we're gonna do this new new song or this next song and then you know the singer we're about to go and then someone goes no wait i'm not ready and it's like oh you know you've taken yeah, me yeah. out of it and yeah that's cool you know you, you learn we used to you know do that look around thing see if we're ready but now like we have it set to <laughs> like if we need to tune up we do it and then you know it might be like turn around and give gad a little nod and that's all that you'll get um you know just yeah making yeah. sure that it it makes people think that we know what we're doing that's what we want to <laughs> push across <laughs> the, yeah the illusion of uh confidence yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, what was it like actually playing a gig in front of people again? It must have been a weird, was it a weird feeling or did you just kind of just get on with it straight away? Oh, it, was definitely, it was definitely weird because I suppose we've, we started practicing again. Well, we hadn't practiced for eight months. We started practicing again end of May, uh, whenever the restrictions opened up again that we could do that. And, uh, you know, that was all going good and everything. But then once you hit the stage and there's people there, it's like those nerves hit in. They're, they're good nerves. And it's like, oh, God. Um, yeah. But and it's. It was weird as well because like there's not an audience that you can you know even do little things like raise your hand and they go whoa it's just nothing there but it was <laughs> amazing to be up on a stage and that 
professional level as well. I think it's probably one of the most professional stages we've been on with lighting and everything. And it was it was great. It was a great kind of um, feeling to do it again after so long of not doing anything. And just looking forward to everything opening up and we can do more and more. Yeah, that's that's it. It was actually, it's just when we have the opportunity just to say a huge shout out to the people involved because um, the the sound on stage, we like nothing, nothing was left to uh, like anything that could have made us more comfortable was done for us when we were there. It really felt like being professionals because like with the, the lighting guy, the uh, Manny, the uh, Robert and the team, uh, what are they? Twist, Twisted Vision. Twisted Vision. Yeah, the uh, camera got crew. They had asked for a set list from us, not to break the fourth wall or the magic or anything, <laughs> but we had literally given them a breakdown of every track, the, the BPMs of those tracks, um, and a sort of a general idea of the tone and nature of the tracks so that they could adapt and plan for what way they were going to follow us on stage or what way they were going to uh, arrange the lights and stuff. And it really felt like mm. we were being treated like professionals in a way that I guess you don't really feel like you are when you're, you know, you're, you're, you're a crusty metal band. It's, you don't feel like someone <laughs> should be treating you like this, but it was nice. It was nice. <laughs> It did, like I was watching it last night. I was like, this is a prof like it's so professional. It was so professionally shot. I was sitting there having my dinner and going, this is amazing. Like uh, one of the one of the things that I also was uh, amazed by was that there was two not one, but two new songs on it. Um, and like I've been following you guys for a while. So seeing like because I've seen all your, you know, but who's in charge of the social media account? Because that is some of the best social media <laughs> <pop> memes. <laughs> That's me. The one about the. The one about the fibbers and voodoo lounge one of like what's like uh, Ben Kenobi looking at uh, talking to Luke that <laughs> yeah. had me laughing for a good ten minutes. Like <laughs> there's you oh this it has to be one of the best um, metal band Facebook uh, Instagram and Facebook pages I've seen the ever seen like it's it has me in stitches, but um like with with relating for new music from you guys obviously you know the whole world being fucked. I was watching it going like, will they do one? Will they do one? Will they do one? And we got two. I was like, and they were amazing songs, by the way. Um, and I was just, and you were kind enough to set, you were kind enough to send them on to me as well. Um, where did you, how did you find uh, putting together new songs over uh, lockdown? Like, were you sending each other stuff individually or like, how did, how did it go about ass assembling the songs in a, in a no contact space? Like, well, yeah, so, I mean, it's definitely a uh, different approach. Uh, we were laughing about this yeah. recently at practice because Steve was going through a riff. I can't remember what which song it was we were working on, but Steve literally was like, I'll tell you what, I'll go home and I'll record it and I'll email it to you. And I was like, we're in a room at the moment. You can actually show me. <laughs> and it, it, we had gotten so used to going home, sitting in front of uh, the, the computer and just recording it and sending it to, to each other. It didn't even feel like there was a different way of doing it. I don't know. I didn't like it. I still didn't even show him. It was too weird. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, so, I mean, we we, we are lucky, I think, that uh, the, like we, particularly myself and Steve are quite uh, tech uh proficient uh steve more so than myself i have um a lot of experience with music tech and stuff so when it came down to it okay. we were able to to work over the internet quite well and it actually i think we will be keeping that as part of some of the process not all of it because being in a room together is a big part of the magic but there is something brilliant you can do 
when you have a computer screen and a waveform in front of you, play over something over and over and just wait, like just try ideas repeatedly until you have the one that you, you want, like I, that you want to put forward to the other guys in the band. And uh, it might get shot down. It might be fantastic. It might be the idea that you wouldn't have come up with on the spot in the room. And because we have that as an extra tool, we're definitely going to keep using it going forward. So I think that's one of the reasons why like the two tracks are so much more thought out than some of our previous ones. Not not that we ever rushed anything out, but I, we definitely spent we like a thousand hours or more on the. We adversary. just had a lot of yeah, the adversary <laughs> especially, which is which will become now as a first single, end of August. But um, yeah, Matt down plays what he's doing, but like he's programmed all the drums because um, he just did and he wanted to do. So we had like drum tracks for each thing <laughs> that we could record, and the adversary as well. We'd like quad track that and then I like put harmonies on top of it in our demo that like we listened to it and I was like no that's too much you know we'll take that out that and we'll stay in but yeah, yeah we did that for you know a good number of tracks and like Steadfast and the Adversary we had nearly at the start of lockdown like yeah we've yeah. been working on them since March last year so they've been in and around and then we had a little break I remember last summer where we got like two or three weeks of practice and then there's another lockdown and eight months of not doing it so um we got to play them a bit in the practice room and then come back and change again um but it, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's weird and like we were lucky that like i had my little audio interface my scarlet solo which you know is fine for just putting in guitars and i ended up getting one of those neural dsp things because they mm. sound amazing um yeah matt has <laughs> loads of gear um yeah yeah, yeah. also like it it's kind of like you, some bands, uh, like some most, some bands I've talked to have said that it was a nightmare. It's weird f- seeing people that actually say that it actually worked out. But I suppose that being tech savvy thing obviously works in your favor as well. Do you know, actually with Steadfast Adversary, when you sent it over today, I was listening to it. It scared the shit out of me that I nearly spilt my coffee because um, it just it just the, the 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 like it just start like all these these two songs sound huge. Um, and I know which is a very kind of cliche way to describe the songs, but they sound massive. Like I was just wondering um like what was kind of the um influences that went into making these songs in terms of like lyrically and sonically okay well the, the music definitely came first so if you want to i think you definitely brought the, the riffs yeah. to the table jeez i don't even know it was so long ago but the steadfast is actually it was written as we the first lockdown end of march start of april okay um a lot of it was done intoxicated uh, just trying to cope because as well like I was only thinking back like so I work my normal jobs in the airline industry so there was a time there where I thought oh, I was going to lose my job for quite a bit it's like I just cope with this the only way I can and just started drinking quite a lot and playing guitar and that's where Steadfast came out of most of it the adversary we had some risks knocking around for a while and then added some other ones and just layered it um, and then I sent it to Matt and he instantly picked up on that as a it's very, I suppose, different for us, but the movies, the big slides on it and heavy chords, it's just, it still hits hard. Because um, I always thought it's, it's kind of slow song, but it's so big as well, because it's giving that space in between. It's not constantly playing, which is, I suppose, what Steadfast is. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely, I heard The Adversary as a a song that marches rather than a song that, that slowly trudges on. I felt like that... That main riff that's in it, which the, the, your audience will have heard, unfortunately, so it will be coming in soon. But uh, it is um, well, 
like if you're listening to this after it's out go and listen to it and, and you'll you might understand what i'm saying <laughs> but it, instead of just being this slow riff it, it definitely felt like it was a riff that had a purpose so it, it wasn't getting to the point because ish was confident I, this is me talking about the riff steve wrote not not the song itself but the riff yeah. was going somewhere and it was worth your time waiting for it and that's that's sort of the energy i picked up and, and wanted to work on with that track um and generally a lot of the tracks like steve generally comes up with a riff brings it in and then we work through it um the like you you, you would often come come in with two or three riffs together mm. um i often just throw a bridge in there and then i'm like haha i wrote that song <laughs> 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 musical rights uh, but it works like i write just a stream of riffs and then there have that and then matt will more arrange it and then yeah stick in his own little riffs so he can claim credit uh, but it, it works well because i get very i don't think that i could ever like write a song i just get too bored and it's like gets to 90 percent i'm just like that it's fine let matt deal with it and he'll do it and it's great because then i send it to him he'd arrange it and then you know add in the choruses the verses and we can never agree which is the chorus or the verse but we just don't talk about it and you get the drum track behind it and he'd send back the drum track bass track and i do my guitars over it and that's how we've been doing it the last year and a half yeah um, and it's it has worked we're yeah pretty lucky nice. well def- yeah definitely it's working and like and like lyrically where would the where would the influences for these songs come from like uh matt are you would you write the songs or like is it a collective thing um yeah so i i either write all the lyrics or I take credit for all of the lyrics anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think I write all the, the lyrics. There hasn't been any, any input from elsewhere. I do take direct lines from uh, from books and, and other sources oh, okay. on occasion. Um, I probably should see what the, what the, you know, the implications of that are legally. I don't know. But they're very old I think books. You're fine. Um, <laughs> but yeah, for there's none Statue of that either. Indeed. Yeah, that's none of that either, those two tracks. Um, but yeah, typically when I come in with lyrics, uh, often actually that's another thing I didn't mention, but Steve often comes in with a title for the track in mind already. Um, and that usually is something that I'll take and run with when it comes to the lyrics. Um, and okay. I, I often am reading books or watching things that are giving me a certain set of sense of imagery that I will include, but they're not necessarily what the song's about. So I had been reading a lot of HP Lovecraft when I was writing the adversary and steadfast lyrics. And so in my mind, they might be explicitly in the lyrics, but in my mind, I'm picturing this ancient Ireland with dank, slimy rocks climbing from the water, like at Amergen, the uh, claiming the west coast of Ireland after a shipwreck, but like literally cry- climbing across these rocks and struggling with the adversary where the adversary is um, is this great, huge sort of uh, redoubtable being that, you know, I mean, it's you just don't stand yeah, a chance yeah. against it. And like that sounds so typical <laughs> and metal, but then it quickly devolves like all of the other tracks that I write the lyrics to into just being self-reflective because <laughs> I, I don't seem to be able to avoid that. So without getting too depressed about it or anything, it's uh, it's very much lyrically the adversary is myself fighting myself in that track um because you couldn't be more egotistical than than me um, <laughs> so and steadfast is is a similar idea so the 
like generally speaking, it's I have this story, this idea. There's something that's being overcome by the character, whoever that is, in in the uh, in the track, and ultimately what they're facing is themselves, um, for better or worse. You know, for those two at least. Sweet. Do you know, it's it's uh, funny you were reading H.P. Lovecraft as inspiration because I went through like a major creative, uh, like I like I do graphic design as like a, as my main job. But yeah. uh, I was reading H.P. Lovecraft all, all lockdown as well, just going, like, give me something that I can use. <laughs> just a, a mass amount of just amazing content in those books. Um, and like uh, with the pro- with the production for these things, because that was the fr- like one of the main things that stood out to me was like the production quality on this is ama- like everything sounds so um, fantastically clear. Like where did you where did you get who produced these uh, two songs? This, uh, those, those are actually, so what you have there, unless you've sent them a different set of files, they're the desk mixes. So that's actually not being, oh. um, mixed and mastered. The, the adversary oh, has wow. it. Oh, uh, shit. <laughs> and we've, we've heard, so that was all done with, uh, Mick Richards at track mix, who is just amazing to work with. Yeah. And because I think that we do so much pre-production ourselves, that's another thing that like. Matt downplaying his recording and music skills is that like Matt has all the gear he pre-produces in the practice space. Like it wouldn't be releasable quality, but he's got enough mics to mic up the entire drum kit, the cabs, and then we'd go back and listen to oh, it. Sweet. Because when you're in a practice space and playing, you don't really hear it. And even if you record on the phone, you can't hear it that good. But when everything's so isolated and you can hear so oh shit, my guitar sounds really weird there. I should do something else. So we did that well for our two EPs and these mm-hmm. songs as well. And yeah, when we go in and work with Mick, because he knows exactly, like when we go in now, I'm like, I want to use the Mesa Boogie, uh, that amp. Whereas the first time, I'm like, oh, I'll try this one, try this one, try that. We go in now, I want that one. We're going to quad track it. And we just know exactly what we want to do. And he's so quick at getting a brilliant sound and knows exactly what you should do that it's um, it's just really yeah. fluid. And we get a lot done when we're there. Like we got those two songs done in one day. Mm. It's a rough day, but uh, we got them done. Yeah, <laughs> that was a bit well, of very that's, long. That's... D- Seriously, yeah, yeah, that's the benefit of pre-production. I've been, <laughs> I've been in a recording studio before, and like getting anything done in a single day sometimes is not. It's just people just find it not doable. Like, <laughs> I know. that's amazing anyway, too. Oh wow! Yeah, it helps <laughs> that we're extremely frugal as well. <laughs> we will not pay for a second day. <laughs> <laughs> quick we only have three hours kind of thing is it <laughs> yeah uh it is one of those things but no, I mean, like you know it's accessible now <laughs> to get into the studio in a way it never used to be and stuff like yeah. the first band i was ever in we went to the studio recording an ep and i think the whole budget for everything was like five and a half to six thousand euro i think um because that's just oh, wow. the the you know the, it didn't exist this this was uh just prior to the um financial collapse in 2008 so there, there may have been mm. a bit of bloating in the, the price at the time um but like the nowadays it's just so accessible to get a studio to get access to this great equipment and to these skills like um engineers and producers and it's um i mean you're always going to get uh you're always going to get what you pay for but you a lot of the time you what you're paying is your own time going into it. So when we go to the studio, we get a lot done because we have spent probably, I don't know, we, I mean, usually 12 hours a week 
all in a room pre-producing every everything um before we go in so when we go in we already know where everything is in place and stuff so we, we are benefited in that way yeah because even like with those with the pre-production demos that we have i can throw in harmonies that i'm not just second guessing i can actually you know, play along with them and record the harmonies over to see if they work or not because yeah. you know obviously there's only one guitarist and like live or practice i can only play one guitar but it's just when we record to add that extra little bit but yeah so what you have is the unmixed unmastered ones from that and we have currently heard the um second master second no, mix it's a mix it's unmastered. second mix yeah. unmastered we're getting that done by aiden cunningham uh it, we should get the final oh, masters sweet. this week we hope but it sounds just amazing like it's so you said that was massive like when i heard this is like Jesus Christ! It, it, it was. It's huge. Like, we have no right to sound this good. That's that <laughs> was my my initial reaction. <laughs> yeah, like I um, I heard and I was like, this is like um like the quality on it was like something by some you know fucking absolutely astronomically massive metal band. I was like, this the quality on this is amazing. Like everything, I couldn't believe how everything sounded so ridiculously clear and still the the chugginess that your band have like the with the the, the riffs and everything and the dr- the drumming and e- just everything was just fun. I was so so happy when I got it. I was like holy shit this is class. <laughs> you sing your praises all all day long. Um and you were, you sorry you mentioned um Bloodstock now and Bloodstock's what is your set in is it 3 weeks? It's the 14th you're on, aren't you? Oh, it's actually what's it's less than 3 weeks. Less I think. Yeah, it's less it's, it's I forget we're in August actually at the moment. <laughs> oh yeah i know time goes too quick um yeah we're, we're on the 14th so i mean what date is this that's this is the first this isn't is the it first the first we yeah, are there the in a week yeah. and a half a week and a half oh my goodness that's oh, so no. scary you know <laughs> um so that's where we're there in a week and a half meaning we'll be driving there in a week and a half it's exactly two weeks yeah. till we play or just just under it yeah um but yeah that, I, I was looking before, forward to that Nope, no, nope. You played it before. Oh, have you not? Oh, no. I thought, I thought because you you won Metal to Masses twice. No, no, we 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 won technically the twenty twenty Metal to the Masses, but the prize is oh, for okay. twenty twenty one. Yeah, we tell people we've won it twice. <laughs> 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 Do you know? I actually think I I think I read an interview because I I don't like asking bands the same questions they've been asked before, and I think I read an interview. Where you said you won it twice, and I was like, okay, they've won it twice, so we can. <laughs> Tell yeah. a lie the time. Is, yeah, te- technically, we have, but you know. Yeah, that was your doing. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> he told me to remove it, and I was like, nah, fuck it. Stays in. Have you, have you been you to Bloodstock the before? press releases that don't get out. Uh, no, no, we haven't actually been to <laughs> Bloodstock. It's, I've always wanted to go, it's just mm. always had money issues are coming yeah well that's yeah, that's it's... it I'm, yeah like i think it's only really this last year that i would have ever been financially able to afford going to bloodstock um and then it was cancelled so <laughs> for for last year um <laughs> of course so, like, it was <laughs> the yeah so i mean getting the slot to play there it is funny that like i've thought about going to that festival so many times and always been like yeah you know, when you're in a stage where like the ticket for Bloodstock costs what you earn in a week, you can't like it's it it's very hard to sort of yeah. justify picking that up. And uh, yeah, I don't. I mean, now now we're in a situation where we would have gone and we aren't, don't have to buy tickets so. <laughs> for this year, but we'll probably <laughs> nice. be gone next year. Yeah. 
you know it's it's one festival like i i used to go to download quite a bit but um my friends would be they'd like metal but they wouldn't like extreme metal at all mm. so uh, like well the occasionally like i managed to get it convince a friend to go to sepultura and he was like that was amazing but um bloodstock is the one where i'm just like have you seen this lineup this lineup is insane and they kind of go through and they go like there's only like five metal bands on it i was like no they're all metal and they go no no like metal the rest is like black metal, doom metal, and all. I was like, okay, fine. <laughs> Cannot convince them to go. I'd go on my own if I could, if I had the cash for it myself. It's an ama- It's supposed to be an amazing festival. Yeah, um, we, it'd be we, weird we seeing social. Uh, <laughs> sorry, go on. sorry, go on. Apologies about the Zoom <laughs> link. No, I was just gonna say it'd be weird seeing people mosh pitting after all of this, like <laughs> afraid to touch know, each other. <laughs> yeah. We have the same issues with our uh, with the girlfriends because, like, they would you know they go to somewhere like Download if we're playing that. But yeah, here it is like. I know Judas Priest and I don't really like them. So it's like, yeah, it's fine. You don't. And it's awkward this year with uh, everything anyway. So yeah, well, that's, that's it. <laughs> but yeah, but we like some of the, the bands there. Like I can't wait to see Conjure. Yes. Uh, right. They're going to be absolutely amazing. Oh, We've yeah. got some great bands from friends as well, like The Crawling, King Witch, Dog Tired, Stranglewire. Words We're not burn. friends. We've never met King Witch. You can't. We haven't, but I want to be friends because I really feel they seem like good people. They're Scots. I just want to be friends with Svalbard. Svalbard is a really cool post. They got um, oh, they're an amazing. Oh, Svalbard amazing are band. going. Yeah, Svalbard are going. Yeah. Sowen got um, Sowen are gone. Irish, yeah, we, were, yeah. we were looking forward to seeing Sowen, kind of like them, but they uh, they're not traveling for it, obviously. Mm. Are, which, but yeah, there's a so, long lineup of bands I want to see. They're not. You know, it's it's like every single year you'd have to have like a, you'd have to nearly make a spreadsheet of like time slots to like, OK, I need to go here, here, here and here and here. Yeah. I remember being actually just a side story. I remember being a download one year and um, my girlfriend at the time did not like Faith No More at all. And I'm just like, how do you not like it? It doesn't matter. But we were at the very front <laughs> of Faith No More, like at like at the barrier. We were at the very ba- at the barrier. And, um, you know, I can't, can't remember his name now. Mike. um Mike Patton, sorry, apologies. But he was like right in front of us. And I was like, this is amazing. And the the opening part starts to midlife crisis. And she goes, okay, um, I'm going to go now. And I was like, where are you going? And she goes, I'm going to go see Blackfell Brides. So if you could follow me over. I was like, I'm not following you over. And she's like, what are you talking about? And I was like, do you not see who's on stage? And she goes, I don't yeah. care. And I was like, you're you go you go over there and I'm staying right here. <laughs> I think Blackfell Brides had piss chucked at them that that week as well, which is not great. But um, they're the Kiss Kiss band. Do you remember? Do you ever see them? I know the name. Black. Yeah, you know the name. Yeah. Yeah. But, no, uh, <laughs> yeah, they're not great. But uh, <laughs> I couldn't so believe it. Like we're what? Like we're. <laughs> yeah, we are broken up. Um, <laughs> that was a while ago. But uh, I just couldn't believe. It. I was like, do you not see who's on stage? And she's like, I. All right. Anyway, moving on. Uh, so this is the portion of the of the uh, podcast where I ask like basically questions that I would ask you if we were in the um, if we were in the drink uh, smoking area and fibbers. Um, they're just random ask questions that have come up for bands. So, like, well, the first one is, uh, what was the first and last album you bought? Jesus Christ! When's the last time I bought an album? Uh, oh, actually, I remember. Yeah, I bought one yesterday. Um, after a few drinks, I bought the Parthlon vinyl. Ah, yeah. Uh, so that was the last one I bought. They also had the monolith best slot thing, and it sounds so good. I can't mm. believe I didn't have their thing. 
and now I just need to get a vinyl player. I actually have a few. <laughs> I've like I've been collecting them with the hopes of when I get my own place, getting a big vinyl player, and I'm gonna be that guy. So you, like, you don't have a turntable? Um, I've got one of the little shitty briefcase ones. Oh yeah, I've got one of them. I've got a dance session in here. Yeah, but it doesn't sound great. <laughs> but I can't wait to just be that guy. It's like, oh, you're listening uh, to your phone. <laughs> That's cute, isn't it? Right. Look at this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the first album I ever bought. I remember I I didn't specifically buy it because I was in school, but I gave my mom money to buy me some forty one. Does this look infected? <laughs> and oh, she, yeah, yeah. she went there and. The man at the shop convinced her it was too explicit of an album to give what? to a child. Yeah. <laughs> so she came back with Eminem. <laughs> <laughs> no way. <laughs> no way. Yeah. Uh, and I, I said uh, Eminem's great. The I most explicit it. music ever. Exactly. <laughs> Eminem, even even to this day, like um, I, I remember talking with a friend of mine, uh, with my actually with my cousin. And she was talking, she was giving out about the music that um, her kids listen to which is like, they're like 12 or 12. And I was just like, yeah, I was like, we know, like the fucking music that comes out these days is disgusting. And uh, my friend had to quickly remind me, he goes, you listened to Eminem when you were nine. I was like, yeah, what the <laughs> yeah. fuck? And then I went back and listened to Eminem. I was like, oh yeah, Eminem was really bad. Yeah, like it's <laughs> like when you hear really songs, bad. Like Kim, that's still such an amazing song. Something like it's Hannibal Corpse did it. It's like, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, uh, that's, that is definitely like they, that should be its own genre of hip hop, all right. It kind of is with horrorcore, but uh, horrorcore. Yeah. I think we all listened to Eminem when we were like single digit kids, and now we all have anxiety. You just sucked all our serotonin out, and, and that was that was it. Like, <laughs> probably is the reason. Yeah. Uh, my first and last albums, I do remember. I bought, by the way, I think on the day it came out maybe so quite late to buy my very first album that was with my own money buying an album yeah because i think my Mm -hmm. sister bought me gorillas uh something before anyway uh and the most recent album i bought was years ago i'm I'm thinking about physical cd actually recently i bought tombs um the orb offers massive signals yeah tombs who wants that but uh the, the roots undone was the most recent physical album i bought um you should get into vinyl it's a superior sound is it strong? <laughs> I'll find uh, out. Somewhere. I got a vinyl player over. I got a vinyl player over uh, the whole um, lo- uh, lockdown, and it has ruined me financially. Because uh, <laughs> I keep insisting on buying. I keep insisting on buying these like limited editions. So I got the new like Ulthor album, um, limited to like six hundred and sixty six pressings. <laughs> nice. and my friend was like, "Why?" The, he's like, "Why the fuck did you buy that?" He goes, "Do you even know who they are?" I was like, "I have no notion." But the uh, the vinyl looked pr- the vinyl looked really cool. Is I've never anyway. That's the only reason to buy it though. Yeah, I was, yeah, yeah. To I ruin financially. The, <laughs> it was the ocean. Their last album, Jurassic. Yeah, they had yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. They had like four or five different pressings, all of different kind of colored styles. And some of them sold out instantly, but the most expensive one would be like 90 or 80 quid. And it's like, oh, and I actually didn't even have the vinyl player at that stage. It's like, I can't. Yeah. yeah. When I spend three grand on a good amplifier vinyl setup, then I can justify spending a hundred quid in a vinyl. But you see, that's three that's the grand. Thing. It's a slippery slope. <laughs> it is. Yeah. But like, if you want that's vinyl very slippery. Sound, that's just straight down. <laughs> if you want vinyl to sound good, you have to hear the sound of like, you have to get the full reverberance of an absolutely empty wallet. Like that's, that's the key to, 
to the the vinyl sound. Um, no, I'd, I mean I'd love to set it up. I I have two vinyl players here, two turntables. Neither of them are particularly good quality, uh, but it is nice to have a reason to buy the the big twelve inches. You know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, um, who? Uh, oh wait, wait. Next question is: If there was something you could change about the Irish music uh, industry, no, a bit. Well, sorry, Irish music scene. What would you, what would it be? Oh, it's an interesting one. Hmm. Yeah, okay. We, we need an answer, Steve. We do need to answer. Um, geez, I'd like it to be obviously bigger because honestly, I think the underground metal scene is so good. And yeah, I found myself nice. last, since we started finding out all the bands that are playing, like, because I was, again, pretty much, uh, what's the word? I didn't know about it. And then I started listening to all the bands that are out there. It's like, these are mostly a lot better than bands that, you know, are in top 10 in the metal trucks or whatever yeah. like that. And, you know, Metallica can sell out Slain. So there's enough people who like metal. And I get, yeah, some of it's extreme, but there should be more people than, you know, half a Fibber's basement full supporting these bands. That's what I'd like yeah, to see, yeah. more people supporting local, because, you know, Metallica had to start somewhere too need to support local and just everyone try as much as they can to go and see those bands because there is so many good ones out there. But I find myself predominantly listening to just the Irish releases and they're just so good and I'd like that, you know? And not to sound, sound contrary, but I think you're wrong, Steve. And I think the Irish music scene is fantastic and full of lovely people. <laughs> But it is with the Irish bands thing. It is one of those things because, like, uh, when I got into metal, um, I was when I got into it properly. So I was always kind of dabbling, and then like sixteen or seventeen, I was really into it. And then when I hit nineteen, I was in, listening to like Trip Tripticon and, as I said, like um, Opeth and all that kind of carry on. But when I started going to uh, local Dublin shows, um, I was blown away at the the t- like. It's one of those things, Ireland is one, I feel like it's one of those country uh, places where you're like, how the hell are these bands, including yourself, like just not fucking enormous, like Zora, I know you're wearing their top there, are just in- insanely good. And like, I think one of the first ever black metal bands that I got really into was Alter of Plagues. And I was amazed mm-hmm. that they were from Cork. I had no idea they were from Cork for about like two years. It's just the talent that we have here is fantastic. Even actually, I don't know if you ever, do you ever watch uh, Gone Lock on YouTube? Uh, he's like uh, he does these like no. bastardized histories of Irish. Uh, he does bastardized histories of bands, mm. and it's really really funny. Of like Morbid Angels, so really really funny. He's this guy with this really deep voice. But he did a video on like Irish black metal from um like from the nineties and onwards, and I was amazed that there was so much like like it still sounds like Norwegian black metal. It's not exactly you know it's produced with a potato, but it still sounds fucking <laughs> like it's class. Like and then you go on to like uh, people like Primordial and all that kind of carry on. Yeah. Like, amazing bands. Oh yeah, man. And um, speaking of black like, metal just, as just, well, like we have uh, Horrenda, which are absolutely amazing. Oh, Horrenda well. are amazing, yeah. Because yeah. I remember, yeah, like, yeah. and no offense to the lads, but their first release, they obviously wanted that, you know, black metal sound. I see. So yeah, it was just yeah, like, yeah. I listened to it, I was like, ah, it just sounds like, because I wasn't into black metal at the time. And then I seen them live, and I was like, Jesus Christ, yeah. this is amazing. <laughs> and then their next it's album intense, had yeah. some amazing production on it, just like Nerve Gas, Baylor, I listen to all the time, like, it's just... Yeah, well, that's they, there's definitely some. There is a, obviously great music uh, knocking around the country at the moment, and I think there's this really nice collaborative sort of uh, relationship that the bands ourselves included uh, are involved in, which is nice. Where it's it's not competitive feeling, 
Um, I know I, mm. I've been in more popish bands uh, long ago, like more than a decade ago, but there was definitely a feeling of competitiveness and a little bit of, um, I don't know, like just a bit of spite when you saw, um, you know, when, when other bands saw each other doing well when they weren't or, you know, getting gigs, they weren't. And I've never felt that with the yeah, metal yeah. scene or the, the not the, the, the broader sort of, uh, alternative scene, I guess, in uh, in Ireland, which is nice. There's a lot of people willing to to help each other out in in numerous ways. I mean, even Sean Osulawan uh, from Tenton Slug has been helping us out with advice and uh, yeah. for the Bloodstock thing because he has the experience of it. He's ha- more than happy yeah. to share it with us, and, uh, and we have to uh, we do have to sort him out for that. <laughs> I, that reminds me. Of, I remember <laughs> when we got announced for Bloodstock this year. I was like so happy and everything. And my girlfriend said, it's like, uh, will people not be mad at you? Cause you didn't actually win it. Cause you didn't play a gig. You just got picked online. I was like, thanks for that. Yeah. And, <laughs> but then like seeing all the other bands just saying like, there's an influx of like, well-deserved guys, you deserve it. And we had loads of private messages from uh, Tony Carvery as well. who played it before and some other guys as well. I can't remember all of them was messing. If you need anything or any advice, just let us know. And uh, everyone's That's so awesome. supportive because you know, anything that helps one band will help another band. And, you know, I feel that like in the last few years, I know Slug won it and they did their UK tour and then they got the Sophie stage. It was not last year now, but 2019, the last place. Yeah. Yeah. That does feel Um, like last And it seems like there's more and more going out there. I know Zori had their UK tour as well in 2018 or something like that. They were planning another one and there's more bands. It just seems like we're finally getting, to a stage that we can push out now of Ireland and grow a bit as a, yeah, yeah. a whole, you know, movement and genre. Uh, no, I completely agree. Yeah, and it kind of ties into my next question. EU. Sorry. If there was a bridge to the what? EU, that'd be nice. So we could just oh, drive a bridge to, to the EU. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Especially with Brexit. You don't have to get the ferry over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it leads me to my next question. Like, uh, what do you think is the biggest misconception about metal, the genre, like that people have that don't listen to it? I, I would say that, like, I suppose it. I, my biggest issue is people often perceive it as being closed off, um, and and you know, sort of uh, secular, not secular. What's the word? Like insular. Insular. That's it. Um, yeah. Where it's you know, metalheads are metalheads, and metalheads are friends with metalheads, and if you're not a metalhead, you're not in that circle. And you know, I, I've mm. never felt that way personally. I know Steve hasn't. Um, and I know you're seeing more and more band, or people who are happy to move through these circles more fluidly. Uh, I was actually just thinking about this a little bit earlier when you were talking about Ultra Plagues. I was thinking about God Alone and how their Fantastic fan base yeah. and their fan base is like it goes back and forth between like, you know, through and through metalheads because they're playing pretty extreme stuff. But then you're also seeing what can only be described as, I guess, like teeny boppers, uh, also digging it in the exact yeah, same yeah. <laughs> or slightly different ways. And it, that's great to see, you know, um, and and that's something I want to see as not not for niche bands, but just going forward in future. I think sort of like trap metal and some like, you know, artists like, um, what's that guy's name? Scar- the, Scarface or Scarce Xdilla or whatever his name is. Uh, but like act, act, general acts like this, uh, uh, Malone, Post Malone is another one I'm thinking of. Where oh, Post it's Malone, sort of, yeah, yeah. It's making people think, it was like, oh, well, like that guy, I, I find it difficult to call it rap. I know it's called 
mumble rap by someone or whatever, but it, it really sounds very sort of indie pop to me. But um, like people look at that and they go, whoa, he can also like, you know, like his Nirvana show was actually really incredible. And he really can also good. like yeah, metal good, yeah. and like he can interact with these people. And I think it's sort of becoming less, um, less insular, which is nice. So that's what I think is a misperception that some people have with metal. It's that you either have to like it or you don't. You could easily like one track or, you know, you can easily like metal and hip hop. You can easily like metal and K-pop. It, it's mm. no one's going to judge you. No one's, it doesn't matter, you know. Yeah, it doesn't, so. yeah. Do you know, um, it's fu- if what I was going to say was, um, it's funny. I remember with the, um, with the metal thing, we were at Knockenstocking and I was like, um, can somebody please go see uh, This Place Hell with me? And all my, like my friends wouldn't really be big metalheads. And I had like, I had my war jacket with me and everything. I was like, we're going to see This Place Hell. Come on, we're going to go see them. And cool. uh, nobody would go. And a friend of mine was just like, I'll go with you, Barra. And now she's about here on me. She's very short. And then she brought, she managed to bring another friend of hers who was completely um, like horrified by the music because she listens to like lovely, happy music. But this girl was just like, this is fucking, this is amazing. She goes, I always thought it was like, uh, you know, just, just bunch of lads just screaming into a microphone and that was it. And it goes, no, it's fucking, it's awesome. It's such good fun. But um, I got her to go uh, to see them specifically in Fibbers and like, we didn't have that much drinking us at the time. So she was kind of just watching them and they come on and just watch them. And like the first song kind of just going like this. And then by the third song kind of going like this. And then I think within the last song, she was in the middle of the mosh pit, just pushing everybody. And at the end, she's like, <laughs> everybody needs to go to metal gigs. They're so, they're so much fun. And that was my main thing. It was like metal gigs are so, you have the best time and there's never any set. Like you think I was the misconception that I had was that everybody's angry at it. And I was like, no, everybody just wants to have a great time. That's the, like, everybody's yeah, literally yeah. there just have the most fun you could possibly have. I always say I've only ever seen a fight at one metal gig, which was at Marlon Manson during the fights on. And that's genuinely <laughs> a true story. Genuinely <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, a true like, story. I remember going to see Trivium when I was 16 in The Ambassador. And oh, it was a first, like, back when, you know, I was young and supple and I could be in pits and not wake up. <laughs> it's sore everywhere. But I remember, like, hitting the floor and then before I knew it, just being picked up and stuff like that. And it's like, I actually brought a, yeah. a friend who wasn't into metal and then I ended up going to see fucking was it uh it was busted or something like that it was like a trade of gigs and that, mm. that busted was awful but the metal gig she really <laughs> liked as well it's like this is really cool uh but yeah it's uh it's a great uh it's great music that like you have this outward perception because everyone screamed that it's angry but it's no you get your anger out through the music and they're actually pretty yeah. nice people most of them yeah. they're so, lovely yeah. people do you know actually Sorry, just I had a little time. You reminded me of something there was um, there was a friend of mine who I was getting headshots done for my website by him, which all came out blurry by the end of it. So it was a complete waste of time. But um, I was like, can I finish? Can I finish cans here before I go uh, to my to the gig that I'm going to tonight? And he goes, yeah, man, work away. And then he starts having a few cans. And he's a bit of a lightweight. So by the end of it, he's really drunk. And he goes, I don't want this to, to stop. So where what gig are you going to? I was like, by the way, he doesn't like metal at all. Like, and he, I was just like, uh, I'm going to see Cannibal Corpse. And he goes, who? And I was like, Cannibal Corpse. And he goes, what type of music do they do? And I was like, they're really chill. 
They're really super <laughs> chill. I don't have, he goes, he's like, I don't have any money. He's so drunk, he doesn't even bear in mind the name of the band. I was like, don't worry, I got you covered. We'll go, I'll bring you to the band. Uh, I'll, I'll, pay for your, I'll pay for half your ticket. And he goes, cool. So we get there and the opening band is a band called Man Must Die. And like, as soon as it starts, you know, like straight, like, and they just go, hey, we've been Man Must Die. Thanks, everybody. Talk to you later. And then he goes off and my friends just look at me because what the, and by this point he's sobered up and he goes what the fuck was that i was like that was that was the support band and he's like who are we seeing cannibal corpse he goes cannibal no 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 <laughs> and he had a horrible time <laughs> he was like uh, i think they could like suffer suffer to prevail or whatever was one of the songs that they played um no iron something what was the fucking whatever anyway they played a song. I was like, this is my favorite song by them. I can't remember it now. And he goes, they all sound the same. I was like, no, they don't. You're just not, you're just not listening hard enough. <laughs> yeah, but I just like that with um, black metal for years as well. And then something, I think it was actually seeing Horrenda live because I'd never seen black metal live. And I was like, okay, I get it now. I, I understand. Yeah. And I've been slowly, well, Matt's big into black metal. Oh, you brought me to see, well, we were going to see Behemoth, but. Oh my god, I was at that as well. That was incredible. Yeah, it yeah. was absolutely incredible. Game. Yeah. But uh, yeah, speaking um, of knock and stocking, actually, we were you you were there one night, weren't you? At 2019 knock and stocking? Zora played. Zora yeah. Dead Label. Was I not there more than Yeah, I like, was there as well. Maybe there second. Yeah, that was amazing. But yeah, that's near where actually the two of us are from. We're from a town oh, about wow. less than 10 minute drive from there, Hollywood and Wicklow. And I'm currently living in Ballynockin. Um, so yeah, oh, it's right, amazing. Okay. So real amazing place. area. Yeah, our yeah. first ever gig as our previous mm. band, and I was seventeen. No, I was eighteen. You were seventeen. Was the second knock and stocking, the second ever in yeah. two thousand and eight. A and very we, different beast, and we were wow. awful. <laughs> we were absolutely. <laughs> we oh, it didn't go well. Beat. No. It, no, it went well <laughs> enough. Like we made fr- friends with a band called. Okay. Oh, uh, Clearacon. Clearacon, they were amazing. Yeah. Um, and apparently They're the last Zora, good. no doubt. Not Cruacon, Clearacon. Oh, sorry. Okay, sorry. Apologies. Bit of a different band. But we only got to gig because my girlfriend knew her old primary school teacher was a metalhead and was helping running the, the thing originally. But yeah, that's, oh, okay. uh, that's where we, we started. It's a very, yeah. very small, um, very small version of what it became, I think. But, yeah. 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 We were terrible, but I was 15. You're 15, so I, I think I was 15 at the time. God, well, you lied about your age, and now I feel, now I feel weird about it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's it. We were, it was like on the back of a trailer or something. It was one of those gigs. Like it, was, it moved from the pub oh, to, right. oh, we need more people, because the first year did so w- well. I was mm. in the field then, and it was just like, I just throw them on a trailer. It's grand. <laughs> Great. Stomping on a trailer. Great festival, though. <laughs> uh, yeah, especially when we went to see Zora that year. Amazing. Yeah. Was that the year that Zora did the um, Never Gonna Give You Up? Yes, Jesus Christ. Yes, they came yes, out yes. With that. I was there that year as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because I remember <laughs> we had a gig this Saturday. So we went to Friday, we were playing a gig in February this Saturday, and we back for the Sunday, and the scratch got moved inside, mm, uh, inside yeah. the tent, uh, which, which was amazing, though, because the Zora lad showed us how to get backstage to the toilet, so we didn't have to leave out the front with the rest of the shit munchers to get to the toilet. <laughs> uh, and no one stopped it. If you just walk backstage with confidence, like you just walk, just nodding to all the roadies and stuff, like, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In fairness, I think that they thought we were in Zora because they did. We were probably wearing Zora oh, t shirts. Another <laughs> shout out as well. We got into the artist bar that night 
thanks to Baylor. Yeah. Um, we were trying to get in oh, nice. and they wouldn't let us in. So like, I know that guy. Can I talk to him? And he goes, fine. And uh, I went over to say, hey, hey, lads, Steve here from Grace. You might know me. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we, we know you. It's like, can you just tell them that we're cool? And that's it. It's like, yeah, sure. That's so embarrassing. And I never want that to happen again. Um, but that was good. And I had a great time chatting to uh, to Makara from uh, Mika. Oh, <laughs> That was a good gig. Oh wow! Yeah, I'd say they were hilarious. I'd say they're hilarious in person. Uh, so like, yeah, I've two, yeah. I've two more questions because we've got, we've gone completely over time here. So I got two more questions for you. Um, <laughs> uh, if you, if you could collab with anybody, who would it be? Oh, interesting. Anyone in the world? Anybody? Or just? Yeah. No, anybody. Huh. You could pick Beyonce if you wanted to. Like, I wouldn't mind. Yeah, that would do wonders for our um, like PR <laughs> side of things. Actually, um. <laughs> I honestly think though it would. I'd love to do something with either Neil Fallon or Scott Kelly. Oh, that sounds very cool. I do love oh, Scott yeah. Kelly um, and Neil Fallon. I would, since you're thinking so small and in the realm of of mortality, <laughs> I would be picking Chuck Schuldner. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Oh, nice. I do a super group. Me. Uh, Chuck Schuldner and Ginger Baker. <laughs> Ginger Baker. <laughs> yeah. We'd Good play. <laughs> we'd, we'd play some very incoherent <laughs> jazz metal. Uh, it'd just be fantastic. And everyone would be like, have you heard that band? Concept is amazing. Sound is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, if people don't like it, you can just go, yeah, you're just not smart enough to get it. Yeah, so that's, highbrow. <laughs> that's what I say about Grey Stag. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right so uh we got to do the uh the plug plug plugs at the end so like uh, what can we expect from gray stag in the next year definitely a single yep the adversary is going to be coming out we will announce the exact date closer to bloodstock so keep an eye on us midway through august we're going to announce the exact date but it is going to be late august um early september most likely a, a late august this year, 2021, annoyingly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we've got that. And then it, it will sound huge. I can't wait for people to hear what Aiden has done with it. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. And then after that, I don't know. We'll have to see. We'll have to see what happens. Yeah. Hopefully gigs happen in this country again, um, which would be yeah, amazing. Um, We're behind everybody else. See? I'd love yeah, to say we'd yeah. be going on a tour, but it's not likely to be happening this year unless, unless the situation around the pandemic like accelerates for the better really quickly like it, it uh, is upsetting because like we always plan because we've uh good friends in scotland from razor sharp death blizzard another amazing band and they always wanted us to come up to scotland and like we were always saying if we ever did get to the stage where we're playing bloodstock you know we do a mini tour start at scotland work our way mm -hmm. down for like you know a few yeah, gigs yeah. in a row and then play bloodstock but unfortunately we just can't do that this year the way everything is so do something like that whenever it opens up would be i think the next thing that we want to do um we're, we're talking about we were planning our first proper music video because we did one ourselves which is serviceable but we want something better was it the guide mm. was it the music yeah video for so it? we shot yeah. all that ourselves in the practice room so you can tell um <laughs> but we wanted to do a proper one we were planning a proper one for it was after the boat cp was released which is that was 2019 
Yeah, December 2019, right? Wow, is it that long ago? Yeah, I know. Yeah. But then we're yeah, 2019 was the boats. Yeah, we're planning. We shouldn't have to ask someone when our I thing know, was. I know, we yeah. should know that. <laughs> uh, but then, you know, the new year, we had three gigs in January, which is pretty good. And then we said, okay, now we'll do the music video. And then obviously, our music video was supposed to be amazing. Just trust us, it was amazing, but it involved other people. So we couldn't do it. It involved a lot of other people. Yeah, it involved yeah. a whole crowd of people. And it was suddenly like, oh, well, obviously we can't do this. Yeah. <laughs> you can have 15 max. <laughs> yeah, well, I think we had like 30 people. It was all going to be very sweaty um, and very close quarters. And yeah, it just, it had to be axed. <laughs> the only way we could do it now if we legally get someone married when we do our music video, we can have up to 25 people. That's a good story and we should do it. Oh, that's a genius idea. <laughs> Genius idea. Yeah. We just won't tell just get, to the Nold, the, to just get just get it annulled the next day. <laughs> yeah, that is um that sounds like a great idea. And can you imagine writing the story about it? Yeah. We'd actually yeah, yeah. sell the rights to the like story in the, for in the, the newspaper cost of the, the next day. Grey Stag ruined my life. <laughs> <laughs> Inadvertently married at a music video. <laughs> oh yeah, brilliant. <laughs> well, lads, this has been this has been an absolute uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. I like um, as I said at the beginning, I'm I'm a huge huge fan of yours, so it was fantastic having you on. Oh, thank and you. I really appreciate you coming Thanks on. I hope you had a good time. Oh yeah, cheers, yeah. and sorry if we talked your ear off, but uh, it was it was a pleasure. No, that was the whole, that's the whole point of having a guest on. <laughs> <laughs> I I, enjoy, I honestly I loved every second of it. It was fantastic, so I really appreciate it. Cool. Thank, thank you, you very much. Yeah, cheers,